0: Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. We're gonna be talking about the wise men today. And if I had to title this message for you, it would be finding faith. Uh, Before we jump into scripture, let's pray really quick. Heavenly Father, I just give you all of the praise. I give you all of the glory. God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you for anybody that may uh, watch this in the future. God, I thank you that this moment is not by accident. So God, I just pray that you would have full access, full control. I, I pray that I would remove myself from this situation to allow you in. Uh, I pray that you would open up hearts, that you would open up ears, that you would open up eyes. And God, we just give you all of the praise. We give you all of the glory. And the church said, come on, somebody. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah and it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And when you read that story, it sounds like a hallmark story. There's really nothing to it. It's pretty straightforward, right? But I want to focus on the wise men. They, they grow up learning about this prophecy. They're learning about this prophecy. And finally, the, the star appears that signals that this thing is getting ready to get started. And they go on this long journey I mean, I I think it could have taken up to a year from when they saw the star to actually seeing Jesus. And they have these expectations of what the people are going to be doing, the celebration that's going to be going on. And they have these high hopes. They're excited for the the parties that are going to be going on. Everyone is excited because the King of the Jews is born. And when they show up, it seems like nobody even knows what they're talking about. And in fact, they would follow the star again. The, the hope is building back up. The expectation is building back up. And what they see is a stable. And they're thinking, there's no way the king of the Jews has been born in a stable. When I read this story, it, it makes me think of an interaction with my papa. I was probably six or seven years old. And I would go out to my grandparents over summer break or just for the weekend, you know. And we would do something fun, right? We would go to the water park. We would go swimming. We could go fishing. We can go to Kentucky Kingdom or Holiday World. We would do something fun. And so one day my papa comes to me and he's like, hey, Trey, I want to take you somewhere. So I instantly get excited. Where are we going to go? And he's like, I'm going to take you to Wally World. If you're laughing, you, you, <laughs> if you're laughing you probably know where I'm going with this but young Trey had never heard of Wally World and so I'm getting excited, I'm getting happy. I I get dressed, we get in the car, we're going and I've never heard of Wally World, never thought of it, but I'm already imagining what Wally World is, right? There's, there's roller coasters, there's rides, there's games. Mr. Wally's out front and he's handing out, you know, suckers and we're going down the road. We take a turn here, we take a turn there and we get to this parking lot and I'm super confused because what I'm looking at is Walmart. I'm like, Papaw, what are we, what are we doing? We, we forget something? He's like, no, this is it. I'm like, no, Papaw, this ain't Wally World. <laughs> what happened to me, I was very disappointed in that moment. I wonder if the wise men, when they show up to this stable that they're looking at and their expectation was the king of the Jews has been born and they're looking at the stable, if they were disappointed. Disappointment often happens when our expectation meets our reality. But there's something about the wise men that I think they show throughout this story, and that's that the wise men are able to take disappointments and turn them into divine appointments. So I want to talk about a few things that, that you and I, because we all have stables, right? We all have disappointments in our life. I got them, you got them. I'm sure if I went around the room and I could pass the microphone around that you could talk about stuff where you were disappointed, where you had high expectations, high hopes, where you wanted something more, you wanted something bigger, and it it just didn't cut out. So I think there's a few things that we can pull from and so I got a quick question. Who in the room would like to be like the wise? Forget wise men. Who would like to be a wise person? Show of hands. Who would like to be a wise person? Who wishes the person next to them would have raised their hand? Because, oh, help him, Jesus. But the first thing that I want to point out is that wise men give their best to God. Let's look at verse 11. And they had opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's think about this for a second. This is a, a good Christmas list. This is a good Christmas haul. What, what did you get for Christmas this year? got some gold. Got, got some frankincense, some myrrh. Nothing too crazy. Like, this is what I got. What wise men do is they give their best. And I think something about us, it's so natural that when we come to a disappointment, we tend to not want to give our best. We we kind of hold back, we, we kind of just reserve ourselves, not like we wanna be nasty, but, but we just, we, we kind of, you know, not, we don't tend to give our best if that makes sense. So what are some things that we can give our best in? Well, we can give our best in life. I think the best way to give your best to God is to give your best in life, because God gave us this life. And so if I wanna honor him, that's what I'm gonna do with my life. We can give our best to our family, right? I think our families kind of get the, the short end of the stick sometimes because we're around them all the time. We're used to them. We can give our best uh, to our jobs. You know, how many have a job that you you know, may not like too much, right? And I know it's cliche to say like, oh, I'm, I'm on assignment. You know, this this is my assignment. But like really, what if you applied your own purpose to your job? If you may not like your manager, you know, you, you can say, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the best employee this person has. No other reason than the fact that I'm representing Jesus. We can give our best to, to our friends, to the people that we know, to the people that we don't know, to the person that's in Kroger and they drop something, just pick up something for them. But the second thing that I want to point out is we give our best by being intentional. Like, let's look at the gifts that we're given. Gold is a pretty obvious one, right? When you give a gift of gold, like that's pretty cool, but there's actually a meaning to it that gold represents royalty, it it represents kingship. So when the wise men gave the gold, they weren't just saying like, hey, this is kinda shiny, we think this is pretty cool, We, we wanna give this to you. But when they gave that gift, they were saying, we recognize you as being the king of kings. When they gave the gift of frankincense, I had to do some research on this, frankincense was used as an offering to God and so when they gave the gift of frankincense what they were saying is we're recognizing you as being fully God and fully man and when they gave the gift of myrrh this was a weird one for me because myrrh was used to embalm bodies but what they were saying when they gave that gift was that we're recognizing your purpose and that's to die for our sins so what wise men do is they give their best. And the second thing that I wanna point out, and this is, this is big, if you don't remember anything that I say today, please just focus on this. The second thing that wise people do is they look for God in the stable. What's, what's the stable? That's the, the disappointment, the, the thing that we don't like. And we do this by having a God perspective. I, I think it's crucial as a believer to have this God perspective, and that is, it's the ability to look for God in every situation. It's the ability to see God in the palace when things are going good, and it's the ability to see God in the stable when things are not going so good. Because the thing is, if I look for God, I'm always going to find him. Who remembers the game I Spy? Going down the road, someone says, I spy the color green. And the whole time they're just changing from the trees, to the grass, to the highway sign. But the moment that that someone says, I spy the color red, you know, you're you're scanning the car, you're scanning the road, and boom, you find the red Coca-Cola cap. When I look for God in every situation, I'm always going to find him. There's a difference in looking at something and looking for something. When you're looking at something, you can be a very casual observer and you can often miss certain things. So there's a few examples in the Bible that I wanna talk about. Let's talk about Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. From slavery became a prisoner. He's looking at this situation. He's looking at his circumstance, but because he has this God perspective, he's looking for God in his situation. And at the end of it, he would be promoted second in command over all of Egypt. And at the end of his life, he would even say to his brothers, what you meant for me was for evil, but God meant it for good. Let's look at the story of Job. Not a lot of people like this story. Essentially, what happens is uh, Satan goes to God and he says, I bet you I can get Job to fold. And God said, put your money where your mouth is. And he allows all these awful things to happen to Job. I mean, in the the matter of a few days, he loses his, his wealth, his businesses. He loses his family. He loses his own health. Although he's looking at this situation, he's looking for God in this situation. And he's able to say things like, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How can he say these things? Because he has a God perspective. Let's look at Paul. Paul is imprisoned, he is looking at prison bars, he's looking at a jail cell. But because he's looking for God in this situation, he's able to write the letters to the saints. Like, Could you imagine getting a letter from Paul, like, I missed my ride to work, lost my wallet, I'm having a bad day, Paul writes you, I got beat up three times this morning, haven't eaten in five days, stay strong brother, you got this. Like, how do you do that? So I have a quick question, how many of you have had at least two stable experiences in your life? Show of hands, we all got them, right? I got stables, you got stables, all God's children got stables. So that's not really the point, that's not what we're talking about. My question for you this morning is when you came to that stable experience in your life, did you look for God in the stable? Because that's what what separates us from being wise is when we look for God in the stable. See, uh, an immature Christian is only able to see God when things are going good. God, thank you for the, the parking spot. Thank you for the new job. Thank you for the new car. God, you are blessing. I'm seeing you. You're working. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. But the second that something goes wrong, the second that it doesn't work out. What we naturally tend to do is take the stable and place it before us, and we take God and place him behind us. But it takes a mature Christian to be able to see God in the palace and in the stable. The second thing that wise men do is they look for God in the stable. The third thing that I wanna talk about is that wise men walk in humility. Let's think about what they did first off. They, they show up to the stable, they go inside, they see Mary, they see Jesus, and they bow down and worship Jesus. Jesus couldn't even walk, couldn't even pray, couldn't even speak, wasn't even preaching. But for some reason, they decided to bow down and worship him. And humility seems kind of like a lost art form in today's society, in today's culture. And I feel like I really can't talk about humility without talking about its counterpart, which is pride. And pride is defined as self-respect or excessive self-esteem, known as conceit or arrogance. And I think it's also something that we're just numb to, right, it's it's in the TV shows that we watch, It's it's in the movies we see, it's in the music we listen to, it's in the language that we speak. And the reason that I wanna talk about pride for a little bit is because pride is something that will cause a distance in your relationship with God. Because when you have pride in you, there's too much of you in you and there's there's no room for God. Are you, you hearing what I'm saying? And so I have an example, a little demonstration I'd like to show you all, and I have a brave volunteer that's gonna come up on stage. We're gonna do a little acting for you. Because I think we're, we're just so numb to it. Yeah, yeah, y'all clap it up for him. come on, come on. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Dylan and I'm the brave volunteer. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I think we're just so numb to it. So I wanna give you a few examples of what pride could look like. And so Dylan, what I need from you is I need you in the most realest way, the most authentic way, to say, Trey, your breath stinks. You gotta come and talk to me? Trey, bro, your breath smells like dookie water. Do you know who you talking to? You must not know who you're talking to, because if you knew who you was talking to, you wouldn't talk to me that way. Like, who are you to talk to me that way? If we need to, we can step outside and get serious for a second. I'm, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. What, what is that? That is the superior form of pride. That's what we often see. That's what we often recognize. That, that's easy to see. That's what looks like road rage. That's what people fighting in public look like. But there's also another form of pride that I would like to show you all. And, I mean, Dylan, I need you to lay it on me. Uh, Trey, your breath is kicking. I ain't talking karate. Trey, your breath smells like 10 cans of shark doo-doo. Why does everyone talk about me? Why does... Everyone joke on me? Why Why is everyone always making fun of me? Why is everyone just, they're so negative, they're so mean? This is the inferior form of pride. But it sounds a lot nicer, so it tends to get coddled more. Does that make sense? And so I want to give you an example for what humility looks like. And so Dylan, I mean, just give it to me, Doc. Trey, your breath smells real bad today, brother. And I can't help but tell you (laughs) that. My breath stinks. I appreciate that, man. I didn't know. I I have some gum in the car. I'll go get that and I'll be good, man. I appreciate it. Why is that not the first thought anymore? Like, why are we so quick to get offended? Y'all clap it up for Dylan. He did a great job. So pride, <laughs> that's awesome. But but pride, I, I think it's something that we say and we're like, oh, pride is bad in church. But I, I think it's real serious because if we think about it, I mean, we, we say often that pride turned an angel into a devil, right? We, we say that, but I think there's a little bit more to that. I don't wanna make this a Satan message, but I mean, this this angelic being whose name was Lucifer, had status in heaven. Why do I say that? Because in the book of Isaiah, Jesus is talking and he says you Morning star. I'm not here to say what the significance of that title is, but I don't think they hand out those titles lightly in heaven if that makes sense. He, he had status and he allowed pride to enter in and he wanted to take his throne and raise it above God's. I mean, pride got two-thirds of the angelic force kicked out of heaven. So this, this is a serious thing. And so how do you combat pride? You, you do that by walking in humility like the wise men. I love the, the scripture. You, you don't have this, Bobby. i rolling off the top with this one. I, I love the scripture that John the Baptist says. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. And he says this phrase that I must decrease so that he can increase, right? Walking in humility, it's, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's not saying that you're insignificant, that you don't matter, uh, that you're worthless because the Bible does have a lot to say about us being the head and not the tail, us being above and not beneath the, the lender, not the borrower. There is a lot to it that you do have value. But when you walk in humility, you just think of yourself less you're not worried about yourself. God, I'm not gonna worry about this situation because I know you're in control. Although I'm, I'm looking at this, this thing that I don't like, I'm looking at this stable, I don't understand the situation, I'm, I'm not gonna get angry, I'm not gonna get upset because I know you have a reason. I think it's, it's so easy to say, God, why is this happening to me? but I wonder if we could switch our mindset, if we could switch our thinking. so when those things come, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what can I, what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I get better? And so to do that, it's, it's not super easy. And what you have to do is you have to use faith, right? These are things that we, we don't understand, we don't know. I, I love the scripture that uh, is in John 13 that says you don't understand what I'm doing now, but someday you will. So when you walk in humility, you you have to use faith. Faith is complete or total trust in God. And faith is also walking in the unknown. How many of us, you like to have a plan, you like to have a schedule, you like to have an itinerary, You, you, you like to know things are going to happen before they happen. Well, faith doesn't operate like that. I mean, even creating this message, you know, I, I found myself, God, I, I wanna speak what you want spoken. I, I want you to give me the words to say and I, I, I wanna speak in full confidence and, and, and full boldness knowing that I'm preaching the message you want preached. And that sounds good, right? But the more I go down that road, I find myself realizing that That doesn't even allow faith to be used in this message is this message good is it bad the the truth is I I don't know I hope it's good I hope y'all like it but it's really just it's up to me to be available right so in life we we try to connect the dots Right? We, we try to put things together. We, we try to add things up. We try to see the way that things are going, but we can't really do that. We can only do that looking backwards. Right? I think that's often why we can be disappointed when we come to something. We can have low expectations when we come to something because this happened here or that happened there. And so when I come up to the next thing, I'm already expecting it to not be as good. That way I'm not let down. But if I could encourage you this morning, I want to encourage you to use your faith. Why do I say that? Because faith looks forward. And I think oftentimes we as Christians we will misuse our faith. We can use our faith to wear a cross around our neck. We can use our faith to post a scripture on social media. We can use our faith to slap a I love bumper stick or I love Jesus bumper sticker on the back of our card. But when it comes to Believing that even though I don't like what I'm looking at, that I'm going to push through. I, I'm going to believe that God has a reason. I'm, I'm going to trust that he is with me, right? I think as people, we, I was having a conversation about this the other day that, you know, sometimes we, we have dry seasons in our life. Things where uh, we're not hearing from God or we're not really feeling him and stuff. And we, we can tend to be discouraged, right? We we can be a little upset. But if we could still move like God is with us, because that's what the Bible tells us, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. But if we could still go to work, if we could still show up in our homes, if we could still, you know, show up in whatever it is that you all are doing, that he's like, he's still right there. That's the key. You're not always going to feel it. You're not always going to know that he's there. But that's why we have to use faith. So if I could encourage you in something this morning, what I would like to say is, when you come to your stable, don't walk away from it. Don't run from it, don't don't try to avoid it. Don't allow your expectations to determine your future because the truth is we, we don't know. We get this opportunity to walk through it You know, there's stuff that we're gonna like in life, there's things that we're gonna be happy about, there's things we're gonna be excited about, but there's also gonna be things that we don't like. I I don't like what this looks like, but I can't allow my expectations to stop me from seeing the God that's in the stable. If you could, I'd like to ask you all to stand. And there's no crazy altar call for this message. I just felt that this was just something to share with you all. If you want personal prayer, we're gonna have people on the left and on the right, and they would love to pray for you. Uh, But I would love just to pray us out. If we could just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just lift you up in this place. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you're always with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. God, please forgive us when we don't always feel that. It's something to know it, and it's another thing when we experience something and we just kind of naturally just revert back to our habits. But God, I pray that in this season that we would begin to trust you. I pray that in this season that we would begin to expect that you're going to do something big. Yes, the year is almost over, but you have a ton of time. God, I thank you for each and every person that came today that is in this room right now. I pray that as they go out of these doors, that they would have a desire, that they would have a hunger to walk out of here a little bit more like you and a little bit less like them. God, I pray for safety. I plead the blood of Jesus over them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And I give you all of the praise. I give you all of the glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit MyBigChurch.com or follow us on social media at MyBigChurch. We love you guys. See you soon.